Hi, I'm Kate Knuth, and I'm running for Mayor Minneapolis. Welcome to Courage for Our City. On this podcast, we're going to be hearing from courageous leaders all around Minneapolis who are helping to make our city better. We're going to talk about how better mayoral leadership is part of what we need to move Minneapolis forward. And we're going to be talking with Minneapolis leaders every week from now until the election on November 2nd. I'm running for mayor Minneapolis because meeting this historic moment in our city requires a mayor who asks all of us to step forward with courage to build a city that works for everyone. Let's jump into the conversation. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here with you for our first episode of Courage for Our City. Wanted to give you a quick campaign update before we jump into the conversation. First big news, I am officially on the ballot. On Monday this week, our campaign team showed up at City Hall with over 500 signatures of people in Minneapolis who want my name on the ballot. And we were really excited to be officially official. So that was a great way to start the week. We have also been connecting all across the city. Over the weekend, we were at the Kingfield and Linden Hills Farmers Markets, then had a meet and greet way down south at 5900 South in the Diamond Lake area. And then the next day, way up north at 3400 Avenue North, we were just connecting. It's really fun to be all across the city. We had office hours in Northeast at the Dogwood Coffee there. And tonight, Friday, we'll be at the West Broadway Farmers Market. So really, really fun to be out and about connecting with folks all over Minneapolis. So today on the podcast, we are diving in on one of the things I think is so important in our city right now, and that is addressing police accountability and transparency. And I'm really excited to be joined today by Abigail Sarah. Abigail is a member of our Police Conduct Oversight Commission, which you may or may not have heard of. She will introduce us to that. And um, also, I was just wanted to start with getting a little bit of background about you, Abigail, if you want to jump in on that. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. To give you a little background about myself, I do live in Minneapolis in Standish Erickson neighborhood, Ward 12. I am an attorney by trade during the day. And in the evenings, I'm on the Minneapolis Police Conduct Oversight Commission, which is an appointed position. I was appointed by the council and it is a volunteer position. And we are part of the system that is set up by city ordinance to do oversight and policy recommendations and gather public comment around policing and matters related to policing. Thank you for that background. You know, I think it's important for people in the city to know some of the things we have in place to make sure that we have ways to be transparent about what police are doing and have done in our city and have ways to hold them accountable. When I am out listening across the city, that's one of the things I hear probably most often is, you know, people want to have police, many people, but they want to make sure they're accountable to the people of the city and are serving our entire community well. So it's really great to know about um, the commission and we really appreciate your service on it. So yeah, I wanted to jump in. Could you tell us a little bit about how long you've been on the commission and some of your experience being on the commission? Sure, absolutely. I was appointed January 2020. So if you think of everything that's happened (laughs) since that time, it's really been quite a whirlwind. When I was appointed in January, I was very excited for this work. I was a public defender for many years. I also was an attorney with the Minneapolis Department of Civil Rights. So this is something I'm passionate about and very interested in. But I think it's fair to say it wasn't really 
a mainstream conversation point. It wasn't top of mind for many folks. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't have our meetings in city hall any longer. And we had to all, you know, I'm such a dinosaur. I had to like learn how to use teams and zoom, you know, and then when Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, the whole world changed essentially for police oversight. And all of a sudden this really became absolutely top of mind for everyone in the world really. And so what started as a tragedy has resulted in just an incredible amount of public interest, public support, public engagement. We had over 100 applicants at the most recent application period, lots and lots of people volunteering their time and wanting to be part of this process, people calling in, people writing to us and engaging us. Wow, that is, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing prior to this, you didn't, the commission did not get 100 applicants for a spot on the commission. Oh, that's correct. We had fewer than 100 applicants. <laughs> Yeah. I think people are interested. This is one of the things I love being out in our city is people want to dig in and make Minneapolis better and addressing police misconduct and making sure we're transparent about the realities of policing in our city is absolutely a part of that. One thing you and I have talked about with the Police Conduct Oversight Commission and some of the things we learned, especially coming out when Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, is the issue of coaching. And it might sound like a little like it's a kind of a specific thing, but I think it's indicative of some of the challenges that we're dealing with and why we need significant leadership, you know, from the top, from the mayor's office to help us really make the kind of progress people expect on police accountability and transparency. So can you tell us a little bit about coaching and what it is and what some of your concerns are about it? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. And and I can just start by saying that it sounds super wonky and like a really just deep cut on data practices law. And, you know, it, it sounds like really hyper legal, but it's extremely, extremely important. And one of the most important things that I think we can address around police accountability. So I'm just going to dive right in and ask for your listeners' graciousness for a few moments. So coaching is sort of one remedy that's available to the chief of police and to the mayor to issue corrective action when they discover police misconduct. Now, here's where it gets a bit wonky and a bit complicated. The city's position, the mayor's position, is that coaching is not discipline. It's a corrective action. Now, why does that terminology matter? Because under the Minnesota Data Practices Act, police complaint data or police misconduct data is only public when there is a discipline and that discipline is final. So when there's a union, as there is in Minneapolis, the discipline had an opportunity to be grieved if the parties want and goes all the way up to the grievance process, even to arbitration. And at that time, that's when it becomes public. So if you have a corrective action, if you have an investigation that is sustained, but there is no discipline, then that investigation, that sustained misconduct remains hidden from public view and no one can access it. And I will give one example, Derek Chauvin. He had a series of complaints against him that all show up as closed, no discipline on his public discipline card. So any member of the public who's asking for his records or getting his records, they'll see this this list and says, close, no discipline, close, no discipline, close, no discipline. So, you know, the public or whoever was looking at this before, you know, defense attorneys or whomever, really wouldn't have any indication that he'd been engaging in misconduct. However, 
he was engaging in misconduct as a pattern in practice. Over and over and over again, he committed acts of excessive force. And in fact, the way he did the excessive force was really eerily similar to the way he committed murder of George Floyd. He was never disciplined. And I'm using discipline, you know, I'm using that narrow word discipline. You're using it as a technical term. As a technical term. Yeah, which it matters with whether or not we as the people of Minneapolis find out what actually happened. Precisely. So using that technical term discipline, he was never formally disciplined, the capital D, if you will, for that excessive force, any of those prior acts. And so there were all these moments when city leadership or community partners, had it been public, could have intervened. City leadership could have disciplined him more strenuously or even terminated him, kind of depending on the circumstances or what happened. Or, you know, I don't know if any mitigating circumstances existed because I don't have access to the file. But anyhow, they could have disciplined. They could have taken a harsher action. They could have taken him off his beat. They could have done any number of interventions that would have taken him out of the scenario that would have made it impossible for him to be on the scene and to murder George Floyd when he did. And simply put, the mayor and the chief of police didn't do that. The oversight system failed. Yeah, both the transparency, we don't know mm-hmm. what you know those incidents were prior to him committing murder, and the accountability wasn't there. So we can also talk about this moment as a potential turning point in our city for police accountability and transparency. That's something that I know I want to see as a resident, and I hear it from people all over Minneapolis. And I'm curious how you have seen this issue of coaching, in a way, being used to cover up police misconduct, so hiding it from public view because of the way our data practices laws work. Could you tell me a little bit about what has happened since then? Yes. So what I noticed when I joined the commission is that serious acts of misconduct were resulting in coaching. And I didn't know what it was. And so I sort of said, like, what is this? And then I learned that it was this non-disciplinary action and, and what that meant. And then I looked deeper into it and I noticed that the remedy of coaching was available for all levels of misconduct. So it wasn't just low level offenses, but all the way up A through D, like every level, including the most egregious level, excessive force, the chief has the option of imposing coaching which means the chief or the mayor or the Department of Civil Rights has the option of keeping this data private so that no one can view it. Community members can't view it. The ACLU can't view it. Communities United Against Police Brutality can't view it. So we don't have the opportunity to intervene. Once I brought this up to the commission and the commission, the full commission considered it and moved it forward for further research, what we heard from city leaders is that in order to fix coaching, what we really need is a working group with, you know, like all kinds of people at the table, like HR needs to be at the table and the city attorney and the police department and the PCLC was supposed to be part of that group. Uh, The mayor didn't call such a working group. No working group was ever convened. It just didn't happen. And this was happening like in November of 2020. So September of 2020. Yeah, September. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting the timeline. Just so people know, this has been, you know, almost a year since you have this conversation and the commitment to a working group and there has not been one convened. Is that correct? That's right. So I actually first brought it up at the August 25th, 2020 subcommittee meeting. And then it went to the full commission in September. So like early September is when we learned that what was needed was a working group. And we were guaranteed a spot at that working group table when it was convened. And it 
never, you know, it's been a year, it hasn't been convened. And then December 31st of 2020, city leaders, the mayor, the chief of police, city attorney, changed the Minneapolis Police Department manual. And what they did was they put in a new section, a special section that says coaching is not discipline and not subject to public disclosure. So they really doubled down on this premise that there's a corrective action that is not discipline and it's coaching and it's available. And is it still available for every level of misconduct? Right? Yes, under the existing discipline matrix, which they could change, but to my knowledge, they haven't and they haven't convened a working group to decide if they want to change it. They also removed a very important section of the police manual, which said in instances of misconduct, you know, where there's an investigation and it's found that, yes, their misconduct did occur, that the chief shall issue discipline. Shall is another important word under the law. Shall means must always. It's not an option. It's it's a requirement. Must discipline. Yeah, it's an important legal word. And the mayor and the chief took it out, just took out that requirement. So now it's no longer a requirement to discipline. So what we're living with today is actually a weaker disciplinary transparency and accountability oversight system than we had going into 2020, than we had leading into the months where Chauvin was, you know, had free reign in the third precinct. We're actually at a worse state in terms yeah. of city policy around that. Which I, you know, I have been digging in on this more and re it's sometimes it's hard sometimes as a person in the city to connect all these dots because there is technical stuff to it. And, you know, like the word shall and not everyone is a lawyer and not everyone. <laughs> say, right. The vast majority of people are not following the meetings of the Police Conduct Oversight Commission. Yeah. But for the things that the people of Minneapolis are hungry for that we that we're demanding, this is a really important issue. And so one question I have is, what would you like to see from mayoral leadership to help address this issue around misconduct and coaching or discipline and the transparency and the accountability that transparency can help us achieve? I have some very straightforward, uh, a very straightforward wish list for mayoral leadership. And, and one is that the mayor return that requirement to discipline for sustained acts of misconduct. Now, not every complaint is sustained, nor should it be. There are plenty of complaints that are, you know, just simply erroneous and not and not true at all. But when there's an investigation and misconduct is confirmed to have happened, then what's needed is discipline. Now, there is a range of discipline under the civil service rules, ranging from a warning all the way up to termination. So it still leaves a world of discretion to the chief of police as to what's the appropriate remedy here. But even if you impose simply a warning, which is the lowest level, that would still be public. So at least the public, the defense attorneys, the community groups, the people who are looking at here, at least we would know like, hey, something's going on with this officer. And if that officer has 10 warnings, you know, Derek Chauvin had seven confirmed acts of excessive force. If he had seven warnings for excessive force, well, as a public, we would know that something's going on there still, even though he wasn't terminated or, or whatever. So I really want to return to the mandatory discipline for sustained acts of misconduct. And coaching, we've had several PCOC meetings around coaching convened by Chair Cynthia Jackson. And what we've learned from city leadership is that coaching is actually exactly the same thing as a warning under the Minneapolis Civil Service rules. And the 
the police department is already subject to the Minneapolis civil service rules. It's already in their manual. So no policy change is needed whatsoever. The chief can simply follow these civil service rules that exist. They will be disciplined, you know, that technical term discipline, and it will be public. And just following the existing civil service rules will do so much for transparency and accountability. It will really help us understand who's on our police force and who's serving us well and who's not serving us well. This is a good thing for community. And this is a good thing for the police force, because right now we have officers acting totally erratically, doing harm to the community, escalating situations that should be de-escalated. And that is very dangerous for all of the other officers who go to work and just trying to do their job. And they're trying to do the de-escalation. They're trying to build trust in the community. And suddenly another officer pulls up and just explodes the situation. So in order to protect the people who are working really hard in the police department and doing the right thing, there needs to be discipline against the officers who are not doing the right thing. Yeah. I think that's a that's really important point. And when I one of the things that I've learned through conversations with you and and many other folks and having served in government myself in multiple different capacities, rebuilding trust after it has been lost and it has clearly been lost with our police department and more within some communities than others. And that's a problem in itself. But what I have said many times is I'm not sure how to rebuild trust other than to be fully transparent about what is happening in our department. And I'll say that that as a public leader, transparency can be a little scary, but it is absolutely what we need. And I think the courage of a mayor and a chief and, you know, frankly, the backing up of the Police Conduct Oversight Commission and the whole apparatus to say, we know we need to improve. And that starts first and fundamentally with transparency so we can have a real honest conversation with each other and with our community about what's happening. I think that's essential. I wish it didn't, I didn't have to think of the word courage to to talk about that, but I I do think the courage to be transparent with the people of Minneapolis. And so we have the tools for both accountability and then what that accountability leads to is trust building with our community. And that's just essential for police to be able to do their jobs effectively building that accountability and that trust is just fundamental. And I think that's what the people of Minneapolis are really looking for. Absolutely. And when that trust is there and it's built up between the community and the police, it'll be easier for the police to do their jobs. And we as civilians will feel safer and and protected and more secure. And I think everybody wins. Yeah, that's the city we're trying to build. And and my vision of public safety has one very simple value, and that's every person in our city deserves to feel and be safe, regardless of race, age, income, zip code, gender, level ability. Everyone in Minneapolis deserves to feel and be safe. And police accountability and transparency is a really important part of that. It lays a foundation of a broader public safety system that we can build together moving forward. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our inaugural podcast episode. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation, Abigail, and look forward to connecting again. Yes, thank you. I'm honored to be the first one. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation today on Courage for Our City. 
We're still building to election day and we need your support to build our campaign. We need donations, volunteers, and of course, your number one choice vote. Beyond the election, I ask Minneapolis residents to join me. Together, we can step forward with courage to imagine and build a city that works for everyone. Thank you to Maddie Zampanti from Conceptual Podcasting for producing our show. And also shout out to Jeremy Messersmith for providing us with the theme music for our podcast. That's it for this episode. Tune in again next week.